Welcome back to Sci-Fi with Jesse Mercury. Holy shit, guys. Yesterday, I was trimming my beard, and I, I didn't realize that the trimmer was on zero. So now I don't have a beard anymore. It was really emotional. Uh, the weirdest part is that once it was gone, I was like, wow, I think I look better without a beard. So I'm probably not going to grow it back. But the funny thing is that I was trying to get my beard to be, you know, extra beardy because I wanted to have a beard for the Cosmic Child music video, which we're getting ready to shoot. Last night, we had a makeup test with uh, Fantasia, who's our makeup artist, and Naomi, who you know, and, and me, who you know, and we got makeup on, and it was fun. But I had no beard now, so I guess that's not going to happen in the music video. So long story short, that's... uh. That's my beard story. <laughs> okay, this week, uh, we're continuing my discussion with Pete GK. Last week, we talked about hoverboards and this girl at the cupcake store that I have a crush on. This week, we talk about a whole bunch of different stuff. We're going to start out with me recounting the story of the time that I got to be on Talk Salad and Scrambled Eggs, my favorite, my favorite podcast that I like to listen to, with Kevin Smith and Matt Myra. Uh, I talk a little bit about what goes on behind the scenes of Sci-Fi on Trial. Speaking of Sci-Fi on Trial, I just released the new episode yesterday, the first part of the Back to the Future Part 3 trial, and it's awesome. you got to check it out. Uh, and then I'm going to talk a little bit about cancer. I had cancer a year ago. I had testicular cancer. I had one of my balls chopped out. Uh, but I ended up recounting a whole bunch of this story to Pete, and then I tell this great story that I really enjoy about uh, my tests that I just had where this... Uh, I mean, basically, you lie on the table and the woman pours hot goo on your testicles and, and pokes at them. So, well, testicle. So, yeah, that's coming up. It's great shit. Uh, quick warning to anyone who does not want to hear all about my balls and my penis and sex and all that stuff. I'm talking to you, mom and dad. If you're listening to this, this might not be the one for you. Uh, you're welcome to listen to it, but you may never look at me the same way. I have to say thank you real quick to the boys from Indie Intellect, Joel and Daniel, uh, my newest Patreon supporters. I actually just checked out their podcast for the first time. There's uh, The latest episode has Vicky Eisenstein, who's a comedian, uh, YouTube personality. It's a really interesting episode. Their podcast is all about uh, you know modern thinking. It's, it's interesting. It's a really interesting topic that I'd never uh, really thought about before. So. so yes, thank you to Indie Intellect. And check out IndieIntellect.com if you want to take a listen to their podcast. Okay, here we go. Getting back into Pete GK after the musical break. Frasier reconsidered. That's the you were on that one. I was right? on that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which kind of haunts me. So <laughs> I, I gotta tell this story now. I don't know if I've told this story on the podcast, but here we go. Uh, I I've prefaced everything with that now. Like I, because I don't, <laughs> I've done so many episodes now. I don't remember what I've talked about. But here we go again. Uh, so Tiny Baby Talk Show got in a bummer shoot last year, and I was um, a part of that show. And actually, Dan and Baby Dan are going to come on the podcast, and we're going to talk all the way through Tiny Baby, because we talk about it so much on the podcast, and all my listeners who aren't in Seattle have no idea what we're talking about, <laughs> so we're going to like get that all on the record one of these days. But Like the so Tiny we, Baby Chronicles or something. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the Tiny Baby Chronicles of Narnia. Um, so, so we performed at Bumbershoot, and then we, because of that, we had free tickets to be at Bumbershoot. And Kevin Smith and Matt Myra did Talk Salad and Scrabble Days live at Bumbershoot. So we all went to go see it. And then they asked for people to come up on stage because they'd written like a sketch 
where they want like they had talked about this on the podcast how they wanted to tr- each try to write a Frasier scene. Yeah. And Matt Myra took it literally and tried to write a Frasier scene. Kevin Smith wrote something called Frasier Bane, where he like wrote Bane into uh, into Frasier. <laughs> of course he did. Yeah. Um, yeah, because he. I mean, he does Fat Man on Batman. He's just obsessed. With yeah. yeah. <laughs> so they asked for people to come up on stage and read parts from the script and i screamed i was like me <laughs> uh and then kevin smith like points at me and says all right you right there and i'm like oh my god it's me and i, I get up and start walking towards the stage uh and then someone else is like also walking towards the stage in oh, front no. of me and then uh and i was like like crestfallen i was like oh that guy's already in front of me like who knows who like i knew he was pointing he looked right at me so i was sure he was pointing at me but then someone actually screamed in the audience, like, no, not that guy, that guy, and pointed at me. He's like, that's the guy who was, like, <laughs> shouting. Um, and then Matt's like, well, all right, well, both of you come up. You can both come up. They were, like, Matt Myra's going to read as Frasier, but then he says, like, I mean, I'm telling this whole story. You can just go listen to this podcast. And hear all of it. Uh, this is my recollection of this, which is yeah. probably wrong. So... He was Matt Myers going to read as Frazier, but because two people got called up, he's like, "Well, I'll just read stage direction, and then you read as Frazier, pointing to me." Oh, so shit. all of a sudden, like, I mean, talk about like peaks and valleys of emotion. <laughs> I like go from like feeling like I'm like, "Oh my god, I'm going to be in this podcast. I'm going to be in my own favorite podcast," and then to like, "Oh, it didn't happen." To like, "Oh my god, now I'm Frazier." <laughs> so we get up and we start reading the scene. And I and I was like nervous, obviously, because I'm standing up there next to Kevin Smith, and I've been watching his movies since I was a little kid. Yeah, totally. <laughs> on my favorite podcast, like about one of my absolute favorite shows ever. Like if I wasn't going to talk about sci-fi, I'd talk about Frasier. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I was really nervous. And then so we're like reading through the lines, and we're all kind of hovered around this one little script, reading it together on a laptop. And I read the wrong line. Like I read one of Marty's <laughs> lines, uh, and then the guy playing Marty was the guy who like jumped up to take my part you know <laughs> so like there was like we had this like weird interchange when we first got on stage we like shook hands and it was like oh we were enemies for a second but now we're friends because we both get to be in this and then i accidentally <laughs> like steal his line and i felt like a dick you know i felt like a fucking chode asshole like bitch face i was really <laughs> upset with myself for stealing his line so i wanted to be polite and i was like well do you want to take my next line? Because, like, we only have, like, so many lines to read. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I go into, like, actual Frasier mode where I'm just, like, ultra Seattle polite, <laughs> which is the wrong thing to do in that situation because, like, we're trying to read the script on stage and it's ridiculous to do that. <laughs> it's, like, ridiculous to switch parts in the middle of it. And I was just, like, flustered and made this. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. I took your line. Why don't you read my next line? And it was, like, Kevin or Matt was like, no, no, we're not going to switch parts. Just read the next line to me. <laughs> so I got to be on this podcast and I made a fucking ass of myself, long story short. But after uh, after the show was over, uh, it was the last show at Bummershoot that night, and like Dan and Dan and I were hanging out, and we walked by that theater that we saw that podcast at, and those two guys were standing outside, the Kevin other... Smith and Matt Myra. Oh, shit, okay. Yeah, so we went up and ended up getting to talk to them and like uh, for a little Dude, while, which oh, was super cool. so cool. Yeah, it was really cool. And I... I really wanted to talk to, talk to Matt because on the Frasier podcast, he talks about Star Trek all the time. So I walked up to him and I just started nerding out about Star Trek. <laughs> and actually, uh, sci- I hadn't started Sci-Fi on Trial at that point. It was originally going to be an episode of this show okay. where just for Phantom Menace. And I, like the whole thing was just created just to talk about Phantom Menace on this show. Yeah. And then I mentioned it to him and someone had recommended to me that I make it a, a separate show. Or, or maybe I had just like decided that, you know, I really like this concept and I think it's a better title. 
sci-fi on trial versus like sci-fi with Jesse Mercury. Yeah. Uh, so I had been kind of like toying with the idea of making a separate show. And I mentioned it to him, like the concept, he like, I, it came up that I podcast cause I said so. And then, <laughs> and then uh, he, I mentioned like the idea. He's like, Oh, that's a great idea. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not sure if I should make it like a, just a one-off episode or like a separate show. He's like, just make it a separate show. Like he said, like, you know, just like matter of factly, like just yeah. do it. No, he's like, yeah, just do it. Like if you have an idea, you believe in it, you're passionate about it, just do it. Make it a separate show. Oh, that's so rad. And that was that was the deciding factor of why I spun it off into its own show instead of just like periodic trials on this show was because because of his input. And it was definitely the right call because uh, I mean, I think there's like there's a ton of overlap in the audiences, but that show, I think, um, reaches a different audience than this one does where this show is very like personal and that show is more uh like global and it's like global global what you know it's it's about the global fan experience where yeah, yeah. this one is about like the individual fan experience it offers something else yeah and i've had really interesting responses where uh, i have friends that listen to one and not the other uh, <laughs> which is cool i mean it's great like uh, i i mean i definitely know people that listen to both who will have like really strong opinions about which show is better like they'll say like sci-fi on trial is fun, but I like like the personal nature of, of this show. And then I have friends who are like, I, I love how sci-fi on trial is like really edited and concise and like, uh, uh, like curated. Whereas like, you know, this show is, is more just like free form and loose. Uh, and I like both, you know, I, I wanted to do both. So now I'm doing both, which is great. Of so, course. Like, I don't have a preference on what's better. <laughs> You've been on both shows. Yeah, I, and I love both shows because I, you have this sort of conversational element, I think, that goes into sci-fi with Jesse Mercury that's like, I don't know, it's super personal and like, and you kind of, you have these different connections with people and you explore different things with them and it's awesome. And then you have sci-fi on trial, which is like, there's a, um, I, I'm not saying like, like there's a, there's an end to it and not, not that uh, not having an end point is bad. But like, as like, in, like a goal. Like, there's a yeah. That like, we yeah. are going to establish a truth at the end of this conversation. Like, which yeah. is like, and it, or and at least an opinion. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> which is awesome, especially like as someone who like gets really like gets really fucking nerdy and opinionated about different movies. Like, yeah, like I want to like I want to know what you think because I'm either going to agree with you or I'm going to like really fucking not agree with you at all. Yeah, and it which is awesome. So part I of like I like what you do. Thank you. You're tell welcome. tell me more about what you like about me. Um, uh, I made that real weird. Like, real no, it's quickly. Fine. That, that was almost as we weird talk, as so. me walking by the cupcake shop and just staring at this girl. Um, I something that that I love so much about Sci-Fi on Trial is is just like the diversity of opinion. Where when I did Phantom Menace, I went out of my way to find people with different opinions to interview. But when I did Indiana Jones, I uh, I already had like the panel, you know, from the first trial. I tried to get them all to come back and ended up having two people sub in at the last moment. But I didn't ask any of them what they felt about the movie beforehand. So it was this like surprise to me in the room. Uh, And then the people that I interviewed for the outside interviews, I didn't really ask them either, like what they thought of the movie. So and I feel like the show ended up being a little bit more fun than the first one, where like the first one I tried to collect as many opinions as possible. Whereas the second one was a little more like concise mm-hmm. and I was a little bit more removed from the material because Phantom Menace is still pretty rough for me. Yeah. And I, I <laughs> still an open wound a little bit. Yeah. And I, I feel like it scabbed over in the process of doing that podcast, which was cool. But, um, 
but yeah, I don't know. It's just so much fun. I just love doing this so much. And like, you know, it's, it's, it's a weird thing. I mean, maybe this is just me, but like, it's a weird thing to invite someone over to your house to sit on the couch and drink wine and talk, you know, unless you're fucking them, which (laughs) P.S. If you want to get down and dirty after this, that's fine with me. But inviting someone over to record a podcast, like that's what, what it is, but it's totally, it like opens up this like creative atmosphere where we can just sit and have a conversation and it's about things that we care about and it's passionate and it's just, it's exciting and it's fun. And it's like, I get to do that all the time now. And it's great. Which is like, I think it's amazing that you do this because it like, I can tell like that you're very creatively driven. And when I'm, I mean, I'm like, I have to, I am very much informed by the things that I surround myself with. So if I am surrounding myself with like people who are creative and like doing the things that they really want to fucking do um, like this right here, like, yeah, coming like, Hell yeah, I got off work and then I came up here and it's like, yeah, I'm going to drink wine and I'm going to pet this dog and eat this cupcake and talk to Jesse <laughs> about like fucking hoverboards and shit. Like, that's awesome. And you're, I, the cool thing for me is that I don't have to watch sausage get made. Like, like yeah. right now we're just basically just grinding up meat, but like you're going to like do everything else on that fancy computer machine. Um, but I love this part, like just being yeah. able to sit down and like converse. I love the post-production. I See, love that's, it. Oh my God. I, I, I wish... Let me tell you about it because I've never talked about this on the show. Shit, uh, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm um, like bumping the mic. Um, so the post production is so much fun. So I, um, I'm sure we've talked about this before. I, I know we've talked about this before, but I have like some bizarre migraine issues. So oh yeah, yeah very yeah. often I get home from work and have migraines. Miles just trying to eat your face off, well your hand. Oh, oh. It's okay, buddy. I might be a... leaning on his. Oh. Hey, chill out. <laughs> sorry. He got a bath today. I was talking to Miles, not you. Pete, <laughs> chill out. <laughs> Calm the fuck down, Peter. Um, Peter. <laughs> Never told you that. Dude, my boss called me that today, and she was immediately like, why did I call you Peter? Yeah. I was like, I don't know. <laughs> don't do that. I <laughs> believe in you, Peter. It's <laughs> <laughs> something my grandmother would say. Uh, uh, are you a fan of Hook? Oh, man, Hook. I haven't... Uh, I actually haven't seen it since I was a kid. I... I recall really liking it. The, the one with Robin Williams and, fantastic. Uh, uh, and Dustin Hoffman and Julia Roberts. Dustin Hoffman as Hook. Oh shit. Okay. I think I always get him and uh uh Curry. Oh, Tim Curry. Yeah, yeah. Tim Curry. I think I get them mixed up a lot. Interesting. I mean, not a lot. I think it's actually just that film. I always think that Hook. Well, is maybe it's because by. Tim Curry is a sweet transvestite and Dustin Hoffman is Tootsie. Oh, it's Tootsie. Oh, it's uh, he is on a soap opera, but he like cross dresses as a woman to get the job. I don't remember the, I don't remember exactly what happened. It's a really good movie. Oh um, man, okay, because it's one of those things that like I know is a thing that I should probably know about, and I'm like, oh shit, yeah. Oh, should he ask me about the thing I don't know about? <laughs> <laughs> I think that uh, it's enough of like the previous generation that not knowing about it is completely acceptable. Okay, cool. Um. <sighs> Yeah, oh, I mean, man. you're talking to the guy who just watched The Walking <laughs> Dead for the first time like a week ago. So. Oh man, okay. So, dude, I watched the first like three seasons of The Walking Dead pretty religiously when yeah. I was with uh, the person who was like way into horror films. Yeah, um, and then we broke up, and I like moved across the country, and I haven't had cable since then. <laughs> yeah, so I just haven't been able to keep up. What's that, going on now? I I'm two episodes in, but it was wonderful. <laughs> Sweet. Um, okay, of, of the okay. first season of the first season. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, so Leah, I have, I have migraines a lot when I get home oh, and gotcha. I have just like, I always want to be creative. I always want to be making something or doing something. And my, 
uh, my top tier priority is making music, but that takes a lot of of energy. And yeah. if I have a migraine, trying to work on music is impossible. It just I just can't do it. So what I've discovered recently is that if I have a migraine, sitting and listening through to a podcast and editing it down is is actually kind of therapeutic. Really? Where yeah, it's like a little bit calming and. Something that's always helped my migraines is watching TV for some reason. Because I like pull my brain out of my own body and put it into the like the content on the television. I, I don't know what it is about watching TV, but like when I first like developed this problem, it was like crippling and I didn't leave the house for a year. Um, hmm. Well, it, it was nine, nine months, like a solid nine months where I was on the couch the whole time with migraines all day, every day really? when it first kicked in. Yeah. Like my life completely ended when this happened. Oh my god! But watching television was like the way that I got through it. I watched every episode of uh, Stargate, every episode of Stargate Atlantis. Uh, Universe wasn't out at the time. I watched every episode of The West Wing in this period. Um, I watched a ton of Farscape. It, I mean, it was mostly like science fiction TV that like got me through it. But uh, if, if the TV was off, like the pain was um, a little bit like overwhelming. But if the TV was on, it would distract me enough that I could kind of like be in that space and be comfortable, uh, comfortable enough to to relax. Yeah. Uh, and it so my migraines are no, nowhere near as bad as they used to be, but they're still there and I still deal with them sometimes. And on those days, like I want to be creative. I don't want to, I don't want to spend another day just sitting all day long, like watching TV. Like when my migraines are super bad, that still happens. But that's like maybe like at this point under 10 days a year where that happens. Mm -hmm. And those days are fucking terrible because it's just like right back to that worst time in my life where I couldn't get off the couch for months. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so finding some sort of, positive creative thing to do when I'm in that state is incredible. And like podcast editing is it, you know, because I don't have to think I, like I, when I have my migraine, my migraines are really weird. They're not necessarily like the blinding pain that you'd think of They're uh, I get this like pressure on the right side of my head and uh, like I'll, I'll have weird like muscle spasm issues and like my hand will hurt and I'll have like the ocular migraine issues where like my I'll have, like vision flashes and Thank you for describing what you experienced because I've had yeah. tons of friends talk about having migraines before and I've never been able to conceptualize that in my yeah. head. Yeah, a lot of a lot of people's migraines are just like blinding pain, and okay. I've had that a couple of times, but almost never. You know, it's that's not like the thing that I'm dealing with. Uh, it will just be like like my whole body just kind of hurts, um, and and I can't think. Like thinking causes physical pain. Mm -hmm. It's it's really strange feeling. Like you know when you're so tired. Uh, that you can't think yeah. and like you're so tired that you can't get off the couch to go to bed. Yeah. Uh, and like, do you ever go into muscle spasms when that happens? Um, I, I have spasms sometimes in yeah. like, my, my shoulders, but yeah, it's, it's that feeling like, uh, I've always had muscle spasms when I was that tired, but it's like being present and awake inside of that, uh, is how I think of it. That's what, that's what it kind of feels like for my, my migraine issues. Uh, so so yeah, so in that way, I love like the podcast post-production process because it gives me something to do in that state. And then on top of that, I'm just obsessed with sound quality and I'm obsessed with like listening to something that wraps around your ears. And I think that like the human voice is such an interesting sonic thing to listen to. So uh, it, when it when it's produced well, my friend Bob texted me yesterday and he said something like, "Now now that you're like fully immersed in the podcast world, I think his words were, can you be my, can I be what, your Padawan learner? Because <laughs> um, like, I, I will say the one 
the one feedback I get probably more often than anything else is that my podcasts sound pro, like the sound quality is really high. And it's because, I mean, I ran a recording studio for, for four years back in San Diego. I like, I studied this in school, like recording and, and all this kind of stuff. And it's all about compression. So I run a, a de-esser on all the voices, which is literally what it sounds like. It takes the S's and it turns them down. Oh, uh, so you don't get that whistling. Yeah, they're like, uh, that, yeah, that, like, <laughs> that sound can be like really overpowering. Yeah. Uh, and it, and like harsh and sharp. Uh, and then I do a bunch of compression and limiting to like just really make the sound wrap all the way around your ears. And I, I love it so much. And then I love listening back to the episodes because I have so much fun recording them. Yeah. Uh, and then there's there's very few times where I take out that much, but I do trim them down just a little bit to take out like pauses or like the times that we bump into the microphones or stuff yeah. like that. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then like Siphon Trial is much more edited than this show, but this show is uh, just the, the minimal editing that I can get away with. Like there's a lot, of, like I'll listen to myself and be like, ugh, I'm gross. And I'll cut out like certain things. Um, but yeah, it's really fun. I love it. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I actually haven't listened to any of the shows that we've recorded. Yeah. I, I hear is, that from so many people. It, it's stupid because I don't have a reason. Like I did, I did college radio. Like, so I've, yeah. I've heard myself on air before. Like I have recordings from then that like are on a they're on a like my computer that I was going to use because I was like, oh, I'm going to break into radio. And then like I was like, apparently not. <laughs> Life took me in a different direction and that's fine. But like so I've heard my voice before. I've been in like little like band projects and stuff. I know what I sound like. Yeah. But for some reason, like I've done I've done a couple podcasts now, like with you and with some other people. And it's like I'm ner- I'm always nervous to listen to it. I don't know why. I think huh. I, I think I'm just. De- well, no you reason. should you should start with Sci-Fi on Trial if you're going to listen to any of them because it's the most okay. like edited. I listened to most of Sci-Fi on Trial except for my my bit. Really? Yeah, <laughs> it's so funny. I've heard this from many people that have been on the show, uh, and it it really surprised me at first. But now I'm like used to it because I've heard it so many times. Yeah. Um, and I you know, uh, it's because like for me, Audrey and I are very similar. Like Audrey and I are pretty self obsessed. Where like we. <laughs> When she and I do something, like, I, I listen to my songs all the time. Like, I listen to the sci-fi album all the time. Just today, I was walking around in the sunshine with Miles, uh, debating whether or not to go, like, say hi to the cupcake girl, listening to sci-fi. <laughs> um, like, I, I put Traveler on, it just puts me in the best fucking mood. Because uh, I make the stuff that I want to hear. Like, I want to hear dance songs about Star Trek. Like, that's what I want more than anything. I want to listen to podcasts about... Like you know, science fiction and deep thoughts. Like that's what yeah. I want to hear. Uh, so, yeah. So I love listening to my own stuff, uh, especially once it's done. You know, like when it's in progress, it can be a little painful. But once it's done, I'm like so excited about it. But most of my guests, I think, uh, at this point, it's probably a majority don't listen to the shows that they do. I'm just I'm glad people keep coming back because like <laughs> my concern, I want people to have a good time when they're here. I want them to hear it and be happy with it. Uh, I guess I mean if as in your case, just have a good time when you're here. You know, <laughs> you're not gonna I, I hear it. love coming yeah. here. It's always yeah. a good time. It's super fun. Yeah. yeah. You know, obviously I invite you back because we had so much fun the first time. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's really interesting. interesting maybe thing. that's, I'm, I'm doing a lot of work on myself lately. So maybe that'll be, that'll be part of it. It's I'll, I'll go and I'll, I'll listen to all the, the stuff that we've done and, yeah. and the shows that have been on in the past too. So the first episode you were on was really light and fun. The second one was intense. That was the, um, when when I originally came on to talk about hoverboards yeah. and we we had that like 
when we talked about feminism and stuff. Right, right. That became too, too, so, okay. Yeah. yeah. And it, that conversation, there was like a break in the middle where we completely changed gears and it worked out perfectly to be two episodes. Yeah, yeah. Um, cause oh, it was, sorry. It and was like, we just opened their, their oh, lines and I was like, what? Are you, are you spying on people? Yeah, a little bit. Yesterday, I saw a man lying on his couch with his hand down his pants watching something on his laptop and, and like across <laughs> from me. And it, my friend Sarah came over and I was like, dude, Sarah, look at this. There's a dude. I think he's masturbating. She's like, he's definitely masturbating. <laughs> Isn't that okay? That's like. <laughs> Sorry, my. Now, I'm like, I'm looking out the window and like my brain just like shattered into like five different directions. Um, <laughs> that's like that's one of the crazy things about living in a city, I think, is that like you'll just witness shit like that. When I yeah. was growing up, I remember me and my friends used to walk um down through this neighborhood. It was like the Ritzy neighborhood that was like through you have to go through our neighborhood and then kind of cut through this middle or this elementary school and then go through a little wooded patch. And you'd go through here through this other neighborhood so you could get to the convenience store, right? So there was a house that our friend used to live in before he moved to like wherever the fuck, Virginia probably. Um, he used to live there. So we'd walk past his house all the time. One night we walked past and somebody in the house was just watching. Like they had a huge TV <laughs> that was facing away from like this giant bay window that led out into the backyard. Yeah. And they were just watching porn. Yeah. Like on like on. And we were like, what? What do we do? Like we were like 12 or 13. We were like, what? It's just there. Whoa. What's going on? Like we didn't, like watch it. Like tried to figure out like who's watching. Like is it, is it like is it like who the fuck's doing this? And like and that was like a total novelty for us. At the yeah. Time. And now it's like I'm in a city and it's like oh this dude like on third just like isn't wearing pants. Uh, yeah. Like whatever. I I have encountered masturbating homeless men on multiple occasions. It really. Yeah. That's when I okay so when I lived on the hill, um my landlord talked about or property manager I guess. Um, this was on Summit. He talked about like seeing people masturbating or straight up fucking, um, like Whoa. like right in the alley behind our wow. apartment building, like multiple times. And there was one time he was like, "Yeah, like like this couple was just getting down on this dirty mattress back there." And he's like, "It's kind of hot." <laughs> I was like, "What?" Like, <laughs> "Whoa, like, you can't say that, can you?" I don't know. Like, and yeah. So living Crazy. in the city is like a it's a different I mean, world. <laughs> you gotta masturbate, and if you're homeless. You're going to masturbate outside, right? Any port in storm. Like, <laughs> but I mean, the the people that I've seen are just like in like on a crowded street, just like, <laughs> like there's like a blanket pulled up over their pants and they're just going at themselves and you can just see the blanket like popping up, you know, every time their hand comes up. It's really strange. Uh, I used to date this girl, uh, Svetlana. We lived together for a while when I first moved to Seattle. And she came home one day. She's like, I was walking down the street and I saw this masturbating homeless man. As I walked by, he just like locked his eyes on me and just stared at me really intensely oh, as I was walking no. by. Isn't that horrifying? Oh, God. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's fucked up. Oh, I don't. I don't have a response to that. I'm sorry. It's just, <laughs> yeah. Holy. Speaking shit. of genitals, can I tell you what I did today? <laughs> I mean, yeah. Now you, you, you gotta. <laughs> I had a, such a weird experience today. This, do, we're gonna. Does this also involve cupcakes? Like, are we going back to the? <laughs> Unfortunately, no. This doesn't involve anything that to do with anything to do with a sci-fi podcast. But I'm telling it because right. it happened to me. Tell your truth. Um, I mean, this is after all sci-fi with Jesse Mercury, that, and she two... is I. So I will tell story now. <laughs> yes. Uh, 
So a year ago, I had testicular cancer, which... What? You didn't know that? No, I had no idea. Really? Yeah. Wow. You... Okay. <laughs> Hold on. Sorry. You're just like dropping this on me. I'm sorry. No, I, I no, sworn it's okay. Either. I had... Yeah. I'm fine. That's great. Yeah. I had... I just had no idea that that was... I'm, wow. Well, it's uh, it's so funny. To, like, I guess we weren't super close a year ago, because... Yeah. That was right before, okay, right before summer last year. It's a like, year ago, we're like, that guy's cool. I should hang out with that yeah, guy, but we yeah, haven't we were, done it yet. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. So, it actually makes sense that I wouldn't know this intimate yeah, detail and of I, your life. I'm not one of those people to, like, post on Facebook, like, yeah. I just want everyone to know I have cancer, <laughs> you know, like, I, I, I know a lot of people who've gone through similar stuff and they post it up online and, um, and that's fine. Like, I'm not judging that at all. It's just like, it was such like a real, like an intense moment in my life. And I just... I didn't want people to know about it until it was over because yeah. I didn't want to freak people out. Totally. And mostly because like my experience of being sick the first time when I had like the migraine issues, like I vanished, you know, I was, I was on the couch for nine months, uh, back in San Diego. I, I went on leave at work and never came back, you know, like I, I vanished from my social circles and it was just like a really weird thing. And it, I didn't know what was going on, so I couldn't give people clear answers. So when people would like kind of call me or, anything like that I didn't know what to tell them or yeah. uh, or a lot of people just never called or cared and it was just kind of a horrible experience all around so I kind of made me feel like I needed to play my like health crises close to the vest uh, but now that it's over I have like absolutely no issue talking about it uh, and I've you know I've talked about it a little bit on the podcast before but uh, but yeah when it happened I I I actually sent out an email to like my my close friends um, but I never like I never talked about it online ever that's Which insane. Was, yeah. I, so, so yeah. So the a majority of people that I'm friends with that, or, you know, that I was that like, if I, we become close friends after, or we just are like peripheral friends, mm-hmm. well, those people probably don't know, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I assume that everyone's talking about me when I'm not there. That's just my <laughs> paranoia. Anyway. So a year ago I had testicular cancer. Uh, I never had to go through chemo. I just had surgery. They, you know, they took out my left testicle and, yeah. and then I have to get tested all the time. And that was, I had the choice, like, do I want to go through chemotherapy or do I want to have surgery? Well, I'm, I take that back. I'm having surgery either way. They're cutting that fucker out either yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because it's cancer. Uh, and actually, when I had the surgery, I didn't know for sure if it was cancer. Like, I found a lump just doing, I was just like feeling my balls one night. Yeah. Because you know, you're supposed to. Yeah. And I found a lump <laughs> and I was like, oh, fuck. Like, that's yeah. the thing that they tell you that you're supposed to look for. That sucks. So I went to the doctor and within like a week I was on the operating table having my testicle cut out. Damn. Yeah. And they, they did an ultrasound and looked at it and said, well, it looks like it could be cancerous. There's no way to tell for sure except for doing a biopsy. And it's incredibly dangerous to biopsy your testicles because if it is cancerous, the cancer could spread to the rest of your body. So we have to take the testicle out to find out if it's cancer. And that's a one-way trip. So basically... Like I went into surgery to have my left testicle removed on a pretty good chance that it was cancer. Wow. Isn't that insane? And it was almost like a relief to find out that it was cancer because otherwise, otherwise it would have been like, we'll put it back, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, Can I reverse this then? Like, Yeah. No, it was a raisinette. It was just kind of folded under one of the flaps. It was fine, but yeah, no, that's well, I'm yeah. So, uh, so they cut I'm, it out glad that it glad that it was was? cancer i had two tumor i thought it was one it was two tumors that were right next to each other okay uh and there was like several different types of cancer within them there was like some 
some teratoma in there. Uh, and I, I don't remember like one of the types of cancers where you'll like find like feathers and beaks and stuff inside of the tumors. I had a little bit of that in there. That's like, a what? Yeah. My, my friend Emily. Uh, I don't know anything about cancer for the record. Like I. Yeah. Feather, feathers I, and beaks. Yeah. So there's like a tumor that will mimic other cells and like grow, grow weird shit like uh, that looks like body parts. I don't know that much about it either. I should get Emily on the show. My friend Emily, who who uh, listens to this show, and she's rad. Yeah. Uh, she she came over uh, to hang out with me when I was like recuperating from surgery, and I mentioned I think it's teratoma. I think it's that because uh, I had a couple types. And I don't remember exactly what they were, like a like a carcinoma or something. But when I mentioned that, she's like, "Oh my god! Like, did you get to keep it?" <laughs> <laughs> Cause she wanted, cause she works in like cancer research and she wanted to like, you know, see it. Cause she could have used the, the cancerous material to run tests on. And she's like, can you get it for me? And I, oh, I, I, I don't, I don't know what happened to it. I did not shit. keep it. I, I didn't want shit to do with it. I was like, get it out of me and then take it away. Um, yeah, man, it was weird. Like I, I'm going to back up a little bit. I, I, yeah, I've, I've never really told this whole story on the podcast. So now we're, we're just going to go for it. Cause it'll make the story from what happened today more interesting cool no go um, for it so i had gone down to portland to visit my sister and her now fiance mm-hmm. and we went mountain biking and i was having these weird stomach aches and i didn't know why but then like a week later i was feeling around on my balls and i found this 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 little lump and then when i touched it it, it caused that same stomach pain like you know when you get kicked in the balls and you can feel it in your stomach yeah it's it's like that same nerve ending was being touched by the can- the tumor growing on it so yeah, so I went to the doctor. They, you know, a week later I was in surgery. They cut it out. Lindsay Leonard was actually the person who like took me to the doctor and Whoa. drove me home. Wow. Uh, and like kind of took care of me. And man, it's fucking weird to go through something like that without your your parents around. Uh, my yeah. mom actually basically like kind of pleaded with me to to let her come up and take care of me, but I couldn't deal with it. Like I needed to be alone. You know, totally. I, I oh, like. Something about like having a piece of my body cut out that was part of like my genitals. I couldn't have my mom here. I can't explain it to you. I just couldn't deal with it. Right. So, and I, of course, I like very much appreciated the offer and I just felt like I needed like some time to process that by myself. And like, I couldn't, I couldn't deal with it if I had a parent here. Yeah. Um. So, but I had like so many friends who like came over, like, like Barton would come over, Dan came over, uh, like. Gene came over, just like come over and hang out with me. And I was like on all these weird pills and shit right after the surgery. So I was super out of it. When I woke up from the surgery, I was like deliriously happy because I was all these shit. Like I'm sure I was on morphine or something. I don't know. I don't even know what I was on, but uh, it was so weird to wake up and like, first of all, it's weird to go to sleep and then have a doctor cut something out of your body that you've had your entire life and then wake up and it's gone. You know, it's weird. It's a weird feeling. They, they make an incision in your like lower abdomen and then reach down into your scrotum, pull the testicle up, cut all the tubes and they take all of the, the tubing with it just in case the cancer spread into there and then dump the whole thing into the, the, the trash compactor (laughs) wherever cancer goes after it's down the trash compactor it's down there with like the the dianoga in star wars is just testicular cancer that's grown into a large creature it does the eye does kind of look like a testicle testicle. yeah Yeah, it's very veiny yeah you know yeah um so yeah so there was like and it, it didn't really hit me until i i was off of the first round of like pain meds and i don't remember what what it was that i had that i hit that 
like what had really happened because it was all so fast. Yeah. Uh, but the worst part about it was the fear that would come back. So this is what I was touching on before that I had the option to go through chemotherapy or not. Uh-huh. They're doing surgery either way. They're taking the testicle out. Uh, the the best mode of making sure that the cancer doesn't come back is to blast you with chemo uh, to basically make sure that they've gotten it all. Um, in the case of testicular cancer, in like 80% of the cases, if they just cut out the testicle, the cancer never comes back. Okay. So if it hasn't spread anywhere else, and I caught it incredibly fast because I'm always fondling my junk. So <laughs> I caught it like really quickly. So it was in a very early stage and it was a pretty pretty sound bet that it, there's a very good chance it wouldn't come back. Yeah. So if you decide not to go through chemo, you can just enter this kind of like wait and see checking period, which is five years. So I get tested all the time. Um, and at first it was like CT scans, chest x-rays and, and blood tests. Uh, the scans and x-rays were every three to four months. The, the blood tests were every six weeks. I'm up to like six months apart for, for all of it now. Uh, but right, right after my surgery, I found this lump on my right testicle oh. and went into complete panic mode. And this is the worst part that I, I didn't finish the sentence. The worst part is feeling like cancer might come back yeah. because, um, I'm 31 years old and I've had cancer, you know? So like the chances of that coming back are there and testicular cancer is the, it's the least chance that could come back of any of the cancers as far as I understand it. And there's like a 95% uh, success rate or even higher. But I think that they kind of shy away from like saying it's like a 98, 99% of like, you know, uh, I don't remember what that was like a 10 year survival rate or something like that. Like people who have testicular cancer, um, something has to go very wrong to, for them to, to not survive, or you have to like really not find it for a long time Yeah. Um, for, for it to spread and, and for people to die from that. Yeah. So I was never really in mortal peril. Um, but the thing that is concerning is that testicular cancer can spread to the lymph nodes in your stomach or your, your lungs, I think something in your chest. That's why I get the chest x-rays. So, so the, the, the stress of like, is it going to come back is the thing that was really getting to me. And I had a couple, two things within the first couple of months after having cancer where I thought that it was back. The first was when I found this lump on my remaining testicle, which ended up being just like a benign cyst. Um, which is why I had an ultrasound today because it was a year and they wanted to check that cyst again to make sure it was still, you know, all fine. Yeah. But it was so fucking weird that like a month after I had surgery for testicular cancer, I developed a, a cyst yeah. on my remaining testicle. I think it might've had something to do with the fact that they're like down in there, like moving shit Shit's around. Getting, yeah. Bumped around and yeah. shuffled. Yeah. So I found this lump and I went back to the doctor and I was sure it was cancer. I was sure that I was about to lose my last testicle. And then like at that point you're on like testosterone for the rest of your life. Cause you don't generate it anymore. And I was very fucking scared of that. Like that scared the shit out of me. Yeah. Um, something else that's interesting is that I had the option of getting a, uh, prosthetic testicle. I was going to ask that, yeah. <laughs> but I didn't want to like be rude or anything, yeah. but I didn't, I, I thought long and hard about it. Okay. That, that was a tough decision, but yeah. the doctor kind of recommended against it because it can like your body can reject it. It's an implant. And it can cause other issues. So uh, the only reason to do it is vanity. And 
this is the maybe the first time in my entire life that I made a decision based off of a reason instead of vanity. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I decided not to go for it. And it was really difficult to get used to having one. I was really, for about the better part of a year. No, it can't have been that long because it was only a year ago. I'd say it took me about six or seven months to feel comfortable having sex again, where I was That's, like, yeah. Yeah. I remember like the first time, like someone gave me a blow job after the surgery and I was like close to tears cause I was so uncomfortable. I was really? just like, yeah. I mean like, I mean, it makes, I, I totally understand that. Like yeah. being so nervous about that, like, but nobody gave a shit. Like no one cares how many testicles you have, you know? Right. I mean, I have five and like, everybody's like, can I have one? <laughs> um like i used to i don't know i'm i'm like one of those people that when i was growing up i was really into my own body you know like i am like turned on by the sight of myself naked and it's such a male thing dude i don't know know what it is but like i'm I'm the same way and like i'm fucking hot like yeah yeah. do you jerk off to your own reflection i used to do that when i was younger (laughs) i've never i've never jerked off to my own reflection i'll say that much like that's hilarious though girls are all like there's this huge thing on the internet like girls being grossed out by dick pics but sometimes like you know just taking pictures of yourself naked is just really hot for me and i like i'm like well now what do i do with them i guess i'll send it to the girl i'm dating you know (laughs) because i guess what i want to have an excuse to take these pictures because it's turning me on oh my god so this that's me like pre-cancer and um and that it's probably like a healthy thing, but it's a little sad, but that kind of like went away after I had cancer where like I wasn't as obsessed with my own genitals anymore, well, you know, I mean, because there's like, there's a little bit of shame there and like having something cut out that is not supposed to be cut out. I mean, quote unquote, supposed to be like, right. I think it would have killed I, I, me if I hadn't. Exactly. You know? Yeah. I, I think there's, I think there's, um, I mean, it totally make it totally makes sense that you would go through that, that you yeah. like deal with this. Like, I mean, a, a fundamental part of your body has been changed and everything. Yeah. But, um, I mean, on the other hand, like, there's something I don't know. Like, you could rock it. You know, it's like, yeah, it's yeah. like an ear piercing. It was weird. Like for a while, I had a hard time watching porn. Like, if I saw a dude in porn with two balls, I'd get really upset. Uh, really, it was a weird. It was a weird adjustment period, and also. When it first happened, my testosterone level like plummeted and I felt okay, yeah. like I was having a really hard time even just like, like getting hard, you know, because I because I had half the amount of testosterone all of a sudden. Yeah. But uh, they all the doctors all told me like this will you this will adjust eventually. Like the remaining testicle will start to overproduce because your body needs it. It's like a kidney like you can like you can lose one and yeah. pretty much be fine. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Okay. And there was there was a period of time like where that where I felt like that wasn't happening, but then it did happen. Like my sex drive came back up to I think actually a little higher than it was before, uh which is great. And like at this point, I I think that I think that that, that period was the hard period as far as like uh cuz I was like kind of embarrassed about it and then I had this big scar all of a sudden. Um, and then my testosterone level was really low. So I was like not performing as well, mm-hmm. but then like that kind of evened out eventually. And then I, or, or even like got a little bit better. It's like, you know, 
like a, a blind man's senses. Yeah, I was gonna say, I was gonna say like, maybe this is your daredevil story. Like, well, you, yeah, you like lose one ball. But I become like, a superhero yeah. of fucking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but yeah, it, it came back, and they, um, yeah, it's like I don't even think about it anymore, and it's only been a year, right? Like, I, I've had some very, I've had, uh, one person in particular, I've had a very intense, incredible, like sexual relationship with where it really kind of fucked the sadness out of me, you know, where <laughs> sometimes that's all you need. <laughs> yeah. Uh, where I really, I don't even think about it anymore. It doesn't yeah. even occur to me anymore. And it's not like something I like to, I, I used to like warn when I first started hooking up with people after this, I used to warn them. I'm like, well, I only have one, one testicle. And I had cancer and you should like know that before you, before your head's down there. And you're like, <laughs> Do you, do you still or no? No, I don't think I don't think to. It doesn't like it's just me now. Like I don't know. I mean, it's just become a part of me now or not a part of me now, you know? And it's never like not that I would anticipate this but like people are just like, "Oh, okay, cool." And like like they roll with it or yeah, no one's ever said anything. Cool. Yeah, no one cares. And that that helped a lot too. Is yeah. that nobody cares. I and I think I mean, honestly, if like if somebody's willing to like look at your junk, I think they're they've already like they're already into every other part of you. So it's just like, yeah. oh yeah, like what like nothing. I'm like I'm already on board. It doesn't yeah. matter. Like I've been told by many people that I have a beautiful penis <laughs> because when <laughs> when I was younger, <laughs> I was in this group called the Naked Sportsman Brigade, and we would all it was like a Holy co-ed group. Shit, we would what just get this? naked and go body surfing. Oh, that's right, because you're from San Diego, right? Yeah, yeah. Of course. That's such and a fucking Californian thing. Like, we have beautiful bodies. Let's get naked and body surf with them. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and I'm, I was like a really awkward kid. Like, I was not, I, I was such a virgin at this point in my life. But I, I was told by, like, the female members of the group that I had a beautiful penis. And I was like, wow. <laughs> and we're talking about, like, you know. I wasn't like running around with an erection on the beach. I was like, <laughs> yeah, like, look, it's a rudder when I'm body surfing. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, and that, you know, I, man, I went through this period where, cause like you, you've seen Mugatu several times. I were like very, yeah. very little on stage. I went through this period where I was afraid to go on stage with Mugatu after, because I wear such tight clothing. I didn't want my bulge to look smaller because I was missing a third of my, of my, my gear, you know? When was the last show? The last show... That was like... Like six months ago? No, longer than that. It it had to have been... May, it was May, wasn't it? It, it was ha- last summer. It's been... Oh my God. It had to have been year. June or July. <laughs> I think it was the very end of May. Was it? Oh, God damn. Yeah, I, I remember it was like... It was a beautiful, like, warm night out. Yeah, maybe it was May. But I don't remember for sure. Oh man, I'm 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 trying to connect the last Mugatu show with the first time that I interviewed Mugatu. Um it it was uh probably like 5 or 6 months before. You interviewed us before I had cancer, I think. Okay. Can I it's been longer than a year actually now that I think about it. It's April right now, and I I had cancer in uh it's been about a year and a half, I guess, because I had it right before my 30th birthday which is in September. Okay. Um, and that's why I got my Klingon tattoo because like I got my ball cut out right before my birthday. And I just like, there's this piece of me gone. I wanted to add something back. 
So on my 30th birthday, I went and got the tattoo. So it was, it was the same month. It was like, it was like a few, it was like weeks before my 30th birthday that this happened. Uh, which was, and that was like really intense too. It was like uh-huh. right before you turn 30 to have cancer is really strange. And how old are you now? 32? I'm 31. 31. Yeah. Okay. So, all right. So a year ago this time, you would have been 30. So you interviewed us like two years ago. God damn. Yeah, Time that's is right. going faster and faster. No, yeah, that's been freaking me out. Like I, I, I was measuring a lot of time based on when I was writing for Fringe and like, like you can't even go on the website anymore because it's like, defunded and everything but it yeah but that's that crazy was so great that's the night i met you yeah like yeah, yeah. like that's the night i met you and martin and like i, I kind of knew dan from tiny baby and everything but like yeah, yeah that was an awesome oh it was night. so fun and then well, i'd never been like that band had never been interviewed before and you had such great questions and you had done your research like you knew to you knew about real life jake <laughs> <laughs> i remember when i found that because i like I, I, like my whole thing at that point was like I don't want to be some schmuck like asking what are your musical influences like I would ask those questions as like soft opening ones yeah. but like typically before an interview I would go all the way through like like Emily can testify this um, like I would like go back to the beginning of a band's like Facebook presence and I would mm. go from there and advance slowly forward from day one and like if there's wow. an EP like I may not listen to the whole EP, but I'd listen to like a track or two and then like, like try and find like significant posts that got a lot of hits or something like that and drag those out. (laughs) That's so cool. It was so much fucking fun. You Um, did such a good job. And after that, we're all just like, invite Pete to everything now because he's (laughs) awesome. (laughs) And I loved it in the last show, in the video of the last show, you're like right up in front and your hair is just like flying wildly and you're just like having the best fucking time. It was so much fucking fun. Yeah. Yeah, me. <laughs> I, I there's this picture of you actually on stage, kind of like you're wearing your butterfly wings and and like you're fanning your arms out in front of you and just like saying like come here like to yeah. me and M. Yeah, and like we both like ran up and hugged you. Was, I remember oh, that, that moment. Was so oh, good. That was so good. <laughs> I love that moment. About ten to fifteen minutes after that moment, <laughs> you left. Right. I I walked outside and I found Emily puking out. Oh. <laughs> so we got an uber home but yeah it was like it was the it was a high note to go out on yeah (laughs) man that was a great band i'm so excited you're gonna love my new band i've been i've been watching like the updates and everything yeah i'm super stoked on it it's really (laughs) special like uh it's like we can all feel it in the room when we're rehearsing so it's you naomi and chris okay yeah and it's all synth and it's all analog synth now. Like uh, Naomi's bass synth is digital, but everything else is analog. Okay. And she's using a microcorg, which is, I mean, it's a great digital synth. It's really awesome. And uh, I bought the new mini log, which I actually like the moment I got it, I started playing it on the podcast. Uh, <laughs> so the first time I ever touched a note on it was, was recorded, but I've designed all the sounds uh, and like save them under the song names. So yeah. she can just flip through a sound bank. That's like asteroid field, time child, cosmic child. Uh, and uh, being in the room with all of these sounds that were designed specifically for the song feels amazing. Like you're just, it's so it's like transportive. You're just inside of the, the sonic texture of the music and it just, it amplifies the the storytelling aspects of the song. It's really cool. I, I'm so excited to perform with it. I cannot wait. It's going to be amazing. So awesome. I'm really stoked to hear what you guys do. Yeah. This actually reminds me, I was looking into the, 
the shit that I'm working on is like I keep stalling out because all I'm using is a fucking djembe and my acoustic guitar and I'm limited yeah. and and like whatever field recordings I can get on my fucking phone. Um so I'm I'm in the market for a used synth of some kind. Oh. So if, what's your budget? Currently it's $200, which I know okay. is like Here's here's what you got to do. Save up $500. Yeah. And buy a Korg Minilog. Okay. They're brand new four voice polyphonic analog synth. It, it's the best possible tool you can get for learning analog synthesis. Um, I mean, I, or you might, I don't you might know analog synthesis. I don't even know. I've, I don't know shit. Okay. About okay. Shit, no, this so. is definitely <laughs> what you want to get. Uh, and the other side to this is that it's new. So if it breaks, you have like, if it doesn't work quite right, you have a warranty and analog synthesizers are temperamental. Like I have this one from the eighties that I use, uh, my, uh, my Roland, uh, MKS 70. Is that what it's called? I think so. And it's 12 voices. And I got it for 500 bucks used, which is amazing. But if it breaks, I'm fucked. You know, yeah. like if like you can't like go into a, a repair shop on the road and like expect this to be fixed right away. I mean, yeah. So I don't know. There's a there's a lot to be said for getting something new uh, just just for fear. But I, <laughs> but it's worked amazingly well so far. And I, okay. I got this one because it's a. It's a rack-mounted synthesizer, so I have it on the floor next to me, and then I'm playing um, a MIDI controller. And I can like, so if I break the MIDI controller, I can just buy another, and they're cheap, versus the synthesizer, which is like, you know, kind of priceless because, like, coming across this particular synth, I mean, I bought it for five hundred dollars, but coming across this particular synth can be really tough because, like, they don't make them anymore. Yeah. Uh, so. And there, there are like issues with like the the sound cards like burning out and stuff that I've read about online. And but I just decided to go for it. Um, the the other thing that I would recommend is the Korg Volca series. They're really small little modules, and they're like eighty to one thirty each. You can get a three voice uh, the the Volca keys. You can get a three voice synth, and I, you can borrow mine if you want to check it out for like a hundred like around 100 to 120 bucks and they sound incredible like asteroid field all the leads were recorded on that is that the thing that you had for tiny baby yeah not tiny oh okay i was gonna say the um the last house show at audrey's place oh the little drum machine yeah you had okay that's a separate deal that's the the same the same system though that's the core vocal drums the vocal beats okay uh but the, the tiny baby when i did it without barton I used that for my synth. Okay, cool, yeah. cool. And it sound it sounds great. Like it really fills up the room. Yeah. So I'm just trying to right now. I'm just trying to create backing stuff for poetry shit that I'm working on. So I, I yeah. just I just need like very basic like creating little back like back tracks and things like that. And yeah. I I would so highly recommend saving up for the mini log. It's like because I have this synthesizer. It's twelve voices. It does everything. Uh, from like the height of synthesis in the eighties, like right at the end of when they were making analog synthesizers when this was made. Yeah. But the, the mini log is so much more approachable and I'm like my, my ability to synthesize skyrocketed the moment it was in my hands. Like I've gotten so much better at synthesis since I got it. The, the Volca series is actually, if you don't know anything, it's actually kind of amazing to start on. Like that's that's what really got me started because the the Roland that I have, the twelve voice from the eighties, is so hard to use that uh, I was kind of just guessing and checking as I went along. Yeah. But with the Volca series is when I really started to hone in my own ability to synthesize, and then it was the Mini Log is really tying it all together. So okay, 
I, and it does it does everything. Like it does everything that you could want it to. It's got an arpeggiator. Uh, it's got all these different like functions and modes that you can use. Like you can make it into a mono synth and have these huge fat tones. Uh, there's a ton of information about how to use it on the web because it's brand new and there's like sold out everywhere. So I, I mean, I can't recommend it enough. It's an amazing instrument. Nice. Yeah. I, <laughs> I have to tell you this story about what happened to my genitals today. Okay. Okay. As with all things, I always bring it back to my genitals. So, <laughs> so okay, today. Today I had to... So like I was saying, I have to get these like chest x-rays, CT scans. Right. And then because of that cyst, I also have to get... To um, get your balls looked at. Yeah, I have to get... Uh, a, what, what's it called? A, a sonogram. Uh, ultrasound. Ultrasound, yeah, yeah. Yeah, of my, of my ball. So all of that... I'm sorry, yeah. All of that ended up happening at once. So I just did it all today. Like I went to... Pacific Medical Center imaging department <laughs> and did like three different tests, which has never happened. It usually doesn't line up like that. Uh, I mean, I've only, I haven't had to do an ultrasound in a year, so I did it all today. Um, you know, you know that, have you ever gotten a, a professional massage? I haven't actually. Okay. Well, no, I haven't. So when I used to be a tour guide at the Theo Chocolate Factory, I, <laughs> <laughs> I had really good benefits and massages were like 20 bucks. So I went and oh, got, yeah, shit. it was incredible. So I used to go get professional massages because I, I mean, I have like, I have fibromyalgia, like the, the, the migraine thing is all like caused by fibromyalgia. So I'm in a, a, an amount of discomfort every day, which goes up and down, but massages can like really help. So there's the fear when you go in for a massage that you will become aroused, right? Because you're like, <laughs> you're lying naked on a stranger's table, of which is hot, you know, that's... <laughs> that's hot like i'm into that and i like i you know i'm i really like massage porn have you ever seen this before i haven't there's like all this like massage table stuff out there where it's just like uh, a man massaging a woman or a woman massaging a man and then they just and then they yeah (laughs) yeah and it's awesome i love it so so yeah you're going to get a massage and like i'm just sitting there just like you know wearing nothing but like this towel covering me and you, there's so no way to not get an erection you're just, already halfway into your fantasy like, yeah <laughs> it's just like and i'm not there i'm not like a creep i'm not gonna like hit on my masseuse or anything but right i'm just gonna i'm sure that every man that comes in there is just lying on that table with a boner you know <laughs> i'm sure that that's what's happening an ultrasound is a different story <laughs> <laughs> you do not want to get an ultrasound with an erection that is weird right that's just weird. So when I first had cancer and I wanted to get my ultrasounds, uh, it wasn't, I was, I was terrified, you know, too scared to get too hard, too scared to get hard. Like there's no way I'm going to get hard when I'm getting an ultrasound <laughs> thinking that like there's something in my balls that's going to kill me. Right. And also like the women giving me the ultrasounds were like, uh, like 50 or something. And I mean, it's not like they were like hideous women. They're just like outside of my age preference. So it's not something, right. it's not I a mean, rousing you're a, situation. You're a young, handsome dude. And it's pro- like the first time you get cancer is probably fucking terrifying. I imagine. Yeah. So it's probably every time after that. <laughs> every time after but, that. <laughs> yeah. So it's the last thing on my mind. So it like, it never even occurred to me lying on the ultrasound table that I would get hard. Let me explain to you. <laughs> Let me explain to you what what an ultrasound of your testicles looks like. You're you're lying on a table. You walk into the room and like, okay, well, I need you to take off all your clothes from the waist down. 
uh, we have two towels here. This towel is going to go on your thighs, and then this towel is going to go on your stomach. And then you need to use the towel on your stomach to cover your penis, and the towel over your thighs, you need to stick your testicles, like, between these two towels. So all I can <laughs> see is your testicles. That's how you arrange so you yourself. you can't see, like, your, your taint or your asshole or anything, and you can't see your dick. It's just... Like a like a peekaboo, like there's your nuts. It's it's like, a nut. Uh, a nut. A, a, well, Sorry. at that time it was two. This was okay. back in the day. Okay. <laughs> back in the day when I had two was the first one. Yeah. So your your balls are just like resting. It's like you're they're just resting on like a towel. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. This. I like. I feel bad for laughing at this, but no, like, it's, it's funny. It's, it's, it's a ridiculous. So, it's like, yeah, it's so weird. And they and they use like warmed gel, so they just like squirt warmed gel all over your balls, and it's just like running down your leg and into your butthole, and it's just <laughs> really uncomfortable. Uh, and then she's just like poking at you with like the ultrasound device. Um, and then the scariest thing is they're like looking at the screen and just like just going mm hmm mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Like every time that they make any noise, you're just like, "Oh my god, I'm that's gonna it, die!" That's it. Yeah, you know, like, this is it. Like that that strange sigh she just meant that weird like shuffle that she did in her chair. She like adjusted her skirt. That means I'm dead. Like that that means that she saw something troubling and she's trying to hold it in. Like that's what I'm thinking the whole time. Uh, so so come to today. Like I'm no longer in danger. Like I I've had blood tests uh, every six weeks for the first six months. It's gone down to like every uh, every like two or three months now. And I've had like three or four chest X-ray CT scans. I'm down to a six month schedule on those. Uh, and I had those done today also. So I feel like I'm out of the woods. You know, knock on wood. Um, I I don't feel like this terror when I go in for my checkups anymore, which I used to feel because. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it just to me, it seems like they got it all, you know, otherwise it would have started growing again by now. Um, yeah. And if I get cancer again in the future, it will be probably like a new cancer or something. I don't know. The, uh, anyway, so a new cancer for the record, probably like a decent new metal album name. A new if, cancer. If you, ever, if, if you ever want to make like an, a new metal band together. Cancer. A new cancer. <laughs> it's like somebody like banging metal pipes in the background and then rapping over it like corn like <laughs> <laughs> that's so metal dude <laughs> so metal so today i went in for my ultrasound it was the first of my three tests and the first curveball that was thrown at me was that the woman delivering my ultrasound was cute the second yeah. curveball <laughs> was that she was right around my my age <laughs> no no oh. so uh She's not like, she's not like, she's not like, uh, she's no cupcake girl. She's cute. She's not like, like this. Not cupcake cute, but right. like. But she's cute. I mean, yeah. uh, she's not like my type necessarily, but she's an, an attractive girl. Right. So all of a sudden I have to go into this environment where I have to take my pants down and I have to cradle my balls between two towels naked on a table while a cute girl pours warm gel onto me and then feels me up. Um <laughs> So immediately I go into boner shutdown mode. I'm just like, no matter what you do, do not get an erection. Which, I don't know about you, but anytime I have to actively think about not getting an erection, it's an it's like a, an exercise in uh, futility. Right. So. Like, what do you think about to not get a boner? What do you use? Oh. Margaret Thatcher naked on a cold night? <laughs> God, I tried. I, so right now, it's fucked up. So currently what I use is I'm reading this book called American Genocide. Um, yeah, it's uh, it, it's just about uh, the 
I don't know, God, I don't know if this is okay, but, like, it's about, like, literally, like, Native Americans being, like, slaughtered, so, like, yeah. I, I just, wish you told me this about, earlier today. I just think about terrible shit. Any Anytime I'm like, I can't get a boner, I just think about the worst things. Yeah. So I'm lying on this table, trying so hard to not think about anything erotic. Uh... <laughs> Like she like you know she like gives me the whole spiel about like you know you need to take your pants off get on the table put the towels on and then I'm gonna go outside and then I'll come back in when you're ready so she comes back in and the first thing she does is dim the lights <laughs> no <laughs> oh my god and then from my first ultrasound experiences I remembered it being like a cold gel but then she's like we're gonna use a warm gel I hope it's not too hot. <laughs> No, dude. <laughs> Sorry, the way you leaned into the mic too. I hope it's not too hot. Like flawless. That's, so then oh she just God. like squirts this warm gel all over my ball, and like just starts like like pushing into it with the with the, the oh, ultrasound device, the wand or whatever. The wand. That's the We're word. Just... Yeah. Uh, and it feels kind of good. Uh, and it feels kind of yeah. good. And that's a problem. That's a problem for me. And so I, when it first starts, I'm just like, you know. Just thinking about, like, things that are not arousing. But um, but the problem is that I, like, I had sex a couple nights ago, and it was really, really good. And it's just been kind of, like, on my mind. Right. So like, uh, that, so that keeps, like, popping into my mind because I'm, like, naked on this table in the dark. And it just keeps popping into my mind that I just had, like, really good sex a couple nights ago. Uh, and then I'm like, no, banish those thoughts. Banish those thoughts. <laughs> Uh, and just trying so hard, like actively trying to keep my penis soft, like, which is not usually what I try to do. You know, I'm just like, yeah, boners all the time. Let's run with them all the time. So, um, so then like it's going along, it's going okay. And then she kind of goes into this different position and starts like pushing on it from this different angle. And it just feels like better. I'm like, Oh God damn it. And then I start to feel a tingle. I start to like, (laughs) and so you're like. You know, you know that boner tingle. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and I'm just like, and like the first time it happened, I just like thought of, uh, like the, the thing that like worked for me in like middle school. No, no. In college when I needed to not be hard. Uh, I thought of that thing, which I'm not going to tell you cause it's so weird. Uh, I'll, <laughs> extrapolate, use your imagination. I'll, I'll tell you. Mine it was, has to do with kayaking, but I'm not going to tell you what else. That only raises more questions. <laughs> like, excuse me, my thing was the Pledge of Allegiance. Like, <laughs> a friend of mine taught me that in high school. He's like, just say the Pledge of Allegiance. But his, his name's Nate. Just say it, but really feel it. Like, <laughs> feel the patriotism in your heart. This is like at the height of like the Iraq War, where we were like, it was hard to be patriotic about anything. So I was like. Yeah, like I totally get flaccid when I do that. Like, yeah, yeah. So, again, where were you earlier today? So, uh, so I managed to like, you, you feel the tingle, but then when you like when you talk yourself out of it, you feel this like kind of like the chills, like the the dead boner chills is what I like to, to call it. So I had like one close call, and I managed to like get a lid on it, yeah. and then. Uh, but but then like at the very end she moves into that other position that I was talking about that like felt better and then it's just like it just starts to happen and I'm just like oh my god oh my god this is horrible like, <laughs> um, so are, and and presumably you also have to like have a hand on your shit so it's like away from her like you're you the way you described it, it sounded like you have to have like a you hand have on your on dick you don't have so the first time I did this I did like have to hold the towels in place uh-huh 
this time I was I kept my hands as far away from my penis as possible. Like my hands were like already... up on my chest. I was just like I, I couldn't have my hands down in that area. Oh, logistic. You know? Okay. No, just because of like I was the whole, the whole thing was like slightly arousing, and I just wanted to try to keep my hands away. You know, like no touching. I think like, I see where this is going though. So please. So, <laughs> uh, so I start to like I'm starting to get hard basically. Like I it's I'm like I'm like oh my god I can't I can't stop it. It's gonna happen. This is the worst. Pregnant pause, and then, and then she's like, "Okay, we're done. Thank you so much." And then, <laughs> <laughs> and then she like gets up and leaves, and she's like, "You can put your pants back on." And it was literally at like the moment where I was like losing control. She just gets up and walks out of the room. Oh my god, it was okay. amazing. Oh, I man. dodged a fucking bullet today. <laughs> In my head, all I could see was like, "You get hard," and then the other like the other towel just like <laughs> I was like, "No, Jesse!" Like. You just made this great hand motion of my penis flipping the towel up and over. That's all I could see in my head because, like, the way that you would describe the towels, like, the one is over the other and it's covering, and then yeah. the other is kind of slumped in. But there. you're right. I mean, if I'd, it would have, it would up have the pushed towel. it over her hands, yeah. presumably. And then there's my beautiful penis, <laughs> as um, as established by your friend in the the nude, uh, the naked sportsman yeah, brigade. Yeah, of course. So, so that was my close call today. Well, there you go. Thank God. Thank yeah. God you didn't get a boner. That would have been terrible. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, once, so I used to, that massage therapist I used to see was gorgeous. And I had this like really big crush on her. She was married. Okay. So of course, I, you know, I, I used to like go in there after, like the day after we got to show and she's like, why are you covered in glitter? <laughs> but I'm um, a goddamn rock star. That's why. But there was right. just no, there was no help. I just had erections all the time. And I just kind of assumed that that just is par for the course. Like, are you were you laying on your back? Were you what? I don't I don't know how this you're on your stomach and you're on your back. It, there's different parts of the massage. OK, like it, I really hope my parents don't listen to this episode. <laughs> um, and you're, you're talking about moving to the East Coast. When when is that going to happen? So that's um, all right. So this will actually be something tangible that I can point to. So my mom can stop telling people that I'll be there by October. Um, my time frame is like next sometime before next summer so i'm going to be okay. here through this summer through the winter um and after december or so is where it will happen so sometime between like january and june of 2017 yeah um and that's all yeah that's a matter of me needing to be around my family and around uh the space that i grew up in i guess yeah so i'm bummed i'm bummed because we, because we, we jammed that one day. I have this like music project that I really want to get off the ground, and uh, I love the way you play bass that night. Like we had so much fun. I have never had like more fun playing it with a group of people. I think like, yeah, that was like so much fucking fun. And we, it was, and we only did it once. Yeah, because uh, we're all so busy that we, we couldn't even get a second rehearsal together. <laughs> but it's been on the back of my mind, and it's actually like the, I mentioned this project in the very first episode of this podcast. Audrey and I played a song that I'd written for it. Um. But I, I mean, I'll tell you, like that, uh, the idea of like getting into a band with someone who I know is going to move away is like is uh, really depressing. So I, yeah. I don't even know if I, I don't think I could do it. Like I don't think I could I play totally, in a band with you and like knowing you were going to leave. I totally I mean, understand. And it's kind of a moot point because the band isn't happening right yeah. <laughs> now. But I, I do want it to happen. Like we've talked about it several times, like trying to get another rehearsal together. But I mean, it's the kind of thing where like obviously you wouldn't want to start like 
it's like i can't start a new relationship now because like yeah. i because i know that i'm on my way out or whatever yeah um that's tough man because you're gonna go like a year knowing that you can't really but when you can't start a relationship you're like catnip to to single people which is yeah yeah <laughs> it's weird I've, I've i've are you experiencing that a little bit yeah yeah there, i was you got those dreamboat eyes <laughs> that's I had brown eyes when I was a kid, and I guess they're hazel or something now, yeah. from what I've been told. Um, I I don't look at my eyes a lot, <laughs> so I don't... Because it's physically impossible. I yeah. mean, there's mirrors, but... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even understand how mirrors work. Um, <laughs> but, no, yeah, it's it's weird. It It's very... So, like, I mean, I've, I've been talking about moving back east for a long time, mm-hmm. um, and it's the kind of thing that's been... I've been ping-ponging on it, and I've been here and there, and then I was like... When my relationship ended, I was like, I'll just move. And then I was like, I literally can't. Um, so then I was going to wait till my lease ran out. Then I was going to wait until I did this course at the UW, uh, decided against doing the course at all. Um, so now it's just kind of like, a, I will move when it feels right. Yeah. And it, which is a really vague time frame to give anybody. So I just, I know that I'm not here forever. Yeah. But I guess I always knew that I wasn't going to be here, like in the Northwest forever. Interesting. So. What? I don't know. T- tell me about that. Because when I moved here, um, I Seattle spoke to me. It told me to move here. Like I, I had gotten sick in San Diego and we discovered that it was environmental because it was mold in my house uh-huh. that like triggered fibromyalgia and all these migraines and stuff. So uh, I packed up and like went on the road with my girlfriend at the time, Svetlana, that I mentioned before. And yeah. we drove all the way from San Diego to Vancouver, BC and checked out all the cities along the way trying to decide where to go. I expected we were going to move to Portland because I'd done some research about where there's the least mold. And it said Pacific Northwest because like the air quality is so good and buildings are built to withstand rain. So not old buildings, but like new buildings right, all, right. on like raised concrete foundations and everything above parking garages. And yeah. <laughs> uh, so, and I had some friends in Portland, so I'm like, well, I'm probably gonna end up in Portland. And I, uh, Portland like didn't, didn't welcome me when I got there. Yeah. Which is a whole long story. But, but then I ended up like, we drove through Seattle that day because we were going to stay in Portland for a couple of days, but it didn't work out. So we came up to Seattle instead. Cause we had a place to stay here too. Yeah. And from the freeway, Seattle was like, you're home, dude. Like I just really? w- driving up the five, getting to that place on the five where you're passing all those buildings, like right around Madison. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, shit. It's, it's just like, it's just gorgeous. It's beautiful. It really and is. It just told me like you are home. And I, I kind of wanted to move to Vancouver. I was just smitten with Vancouver and Svetlana didn't want to leave the country. And I was, but uh, Vancouver was like the pipe dream, but Seattle was like the reality of like where I felt like I was supposed to be. Yeah. And so I, I've never looked back from that. I mean, I don't, I don't feel like I'm supposed to be anywhere else. I feel like I'm supposed to be here. So, but in that, in that framework, like tell me about moving here for you and like knowing that you were not going to stay. So I guess I, I, I kind of have to go back a little further even. Um, when I was uh, graduating high school, I knew I wanted to get like way away from my the, the town that I was living in. Um, and originally I was like, I'm going to go to fucking California for, for college and that's where I'm going to be. Uh, and then like economically, that just wasn't possible. So I moved to the other side of Pennsylvania, um, which was like just outside of Pittsburgh. And that was as far as I was able to go then. And... I did four years there and like originally like the first like year or two, I was like, totally like, I was like, yeah, like, okay, I'm, I'm further away from the space that I knew I'm learning more. I'm growing more. And then after about two years, I was like, I need to go further. I need to like get elsewhere. Um, 
So finished college, went to Sacramento, and I was doing an AmeriCorps program where I was given the opportunity to travel the country doing disaster relief work uh, for like almost no pay, but like housing and food were taken care of. So I didn't have to worry about that. And I did that for a year. So I went from like basically Pittsburgh to Sacramento, California, trained for a month, went to New Mexico, trained for a month, went to New York City after Hurricane Sandy. Wow. Did a year or a month and a half of relief work there, went to Oklahoma City after a bunch of tornadoes, did like a month and a half of relief work there, went back to Sacramento for a week or two, and then went back up to Alaska and did about a month and a half of uh, relief work between Anchorage and between middle of fucking nowhere, like population of 200 town, Alaska. Um, And then moved. So that was that. And that completed my term. And then I met Emily along that, like during all that, uh, all that jazz, we fell in love. And then we were like, okay, cool. Let's like, we want to continue, like, let's keep the party going. Let's go to Seattle. So we, and I'd, I'd visited Seattle in 2012. So I was like, and it, it said something to me then it like, it yeah. was like, this is where you should be. And I was in a different relationship at the time. And I was like, okay, I need to, I need to go to Seattle to learn something. Um, and I, so I was like, all right, yeah, let's like, she said, that's where she wanted to be. And I was like, I'm definitely on board. So I came here and the first year was really, really tough on me. Huh. Um, I would even say year and a half, but after that point, like it's been way easier. And like, and I've, I've, I've grown a lot. Like, I feel like what, I've, what was tough in that first year and a half? finding connections and like and the seattle freeze yeah yeah like basically the seattle freeze like it it kicked my ass and like for people outside of seattle when you move to this town everyone tells you that it's really hard to make friends that like people just don't want to be open to new friendships yeah uh and that's called the seattle freeze i did i did not experience that when i moved here it was okay so it was weird i think part of it had to do with me like part of it was a me problem Mm -hmm. and part of it was like a seattle just general kind of thing um but there was like, cause I, I met a bunch of like comics and stuff when I first moved up here and they were so nice and like very welcoming and everything. But I felt like I, I don't know what it was. And I, this is where I think it was a me problem where it was like, I couldn't allow myself to go out and experience certain things, but I could go to like shows and things like that. But if somebody was huh. like, Oh, do you want to like go hang out or something? Or I'd be like, Oh no, I can't because I have work or no, I can't because I have this thing. And then. Like I got invited to some things by coworkers that I just wasn't open to because they weren't they weren't interesting. And so I was like, I don't <laughs> I don't want to hang out with you. Like sorry, yeah. but like but the people I did want to hang out with like weren't necessarily down or whatever. Um so there was a, a period of like growing and finding the people who I needed to find. Yeah. So now after after all this time, I'm like I I, I, it sucks because it's like I've established all these things, all these amazing, nourishing relationships. It's taken me like a really long time. Mm. And yet I'm at this place where it's like I know that I need to go back and I need to be around my family because it's like most days I'm thinking about like my brothers and I'm thinking about like my mom and my dad and like, oh, like they're, they're like this thing is happening with the family and like they all kind of live around the Philly area or in the general Pennsylvania area. So interesting it's really weird that's tough it's it's bizarre because uh, the other thing that i should say about all this is that um i could take a trip and then find out that everything sucks and then just be like oh you know what i'm just gonna stay in seattle like (laughs) everything's really bizarre and uncertain for me at this point so yeah 
Well, if that happens, let's play some music. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm I like, shouldn't say that. I, I mean, you got to make your decisions for you. you I know. know. And I, yeah. I, yeah. yeah. When, but I mean, obviously you're the type of person who does that. So I don't yeah, even say yeah. that out loud. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I want so badly to just like do everything, like be in all the bands and like yeah. do all the podcasts <laughs> and make all the songs and uh, we were talking about this right before we started recording, how every day is like a choice of all the things that have to be done. And like, what am I going to do today? Like, I still haven't even unpacked in this apartment. Yeah. I, mean, I found out uh, weeks ago that I was staying in this apartment instead of moving back downstairs. And I still haven't unpacked at all. I unpacked two boxes since then. I saw several Star Trek figures in the box when I came in the door earlier. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they should be on the wall. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's so it's so hard to like know when you have something like, are you in the right place at that time because i think we all have this idea inside of ourselves like where we want to be and what we should be doing yeah and anything that's not exactly that is not satisfactory but uh so many other things are so much worse i know and yeah it's weird and in a big way when i started i started feeling more fulfilled being in this space when i started doing serious work on myself which started Mm -hmm. like Right around my 25th birthday. So like last August. Yeah. Um, yeah. I like I, I started seeing a therapist and stuff for a bunch of stuff that I was dealing with. And immediately things started getting better. And wow. I and like the more work I was doing there, the more like meditation I was doing, the more that kind of direction I was going. It was like, oh, my God, like human interaction became way easier. And I was able wow. to like I became more empathic and all this stuff. So, yeah, I, I need to do that. Like I have some issues yeah (laughs) like i i have this massive fear that everything around me is going to break because of all my health issues like after the first the first one was really really hard to get through and then i got cancer after that and i was like well fuck you know uh i just don't trust i don't trust in like i don't trust in my body i don't trust in science i don't trust in like construction i don't trust in (laughs) things like i have this my my biggest fear is skydiving which is it's it's not like the jumping out of the plane it's the the fact that i don't trust parachutes to open and i don't trust carabiners to hold yeah like like straps to not break when like your life depends on it like i don't like driving because i don't trust cars like tires to not just like pop i've had so many things happen to me that were so like sudden and life-changing that um it makes it really hard to relax yeah. and be in the moment day to day. And this winter was really tough on me where what happened this winter? I just had like a, a down winter. Like I was just really kind of depressed throughout the winter. Yeah. And uh, it's been, it's been a few years since I had like a solid relationship. I've, I've dated some people and I've had some really um, great things, but nothing that like gave me the sense of um, like regularity that I yeah. need from a relationship. Like I, I need to, the, I need this level of trust where I know that someone's going to be there for me because See, I don't, I don't feel like the world is going to be there for me. So having someone who will be is uh, really hard to find and really rare. And the times in my life where I've had that are the times that I was the most comfortable being alive. Do you, do you kind of like thrive off that consistency and that like um, kind of knowing where a person's going to be each day? Like, like maybe not, where they're going to be physically like, Oh, I'm going to be at the grocery store. But like, like but emotionally. Like, yeah, yeah. 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 Absolutely. Where 
you get to the you get to the point with someone where you don't question your friendship or your relationship or your love between each other where it's just such a palpable thing that it doesn't need to be questioned because it's going to be there when you get home. Yeah. And I mean, sure, you have to still like be worthy of it every day and you have to be a good person and you have to like do the right things to stay worthy of it. But you don't have to, um, you don't have to go through this period of searching for it every time you see that person. Like, like I've dated people, uh, where every time I see them, I don't know what page we're on. Yeah. Like you don't, you don't kiss each other. Hello. You don't, your first kiss happens like an hour and a half later, every time you see each other where you you don't, there's no, there's no openness of, of emotion where they may feel that way about you, but they don't show you until you soften them every time. And that's exhausting to me. Like I, you know, like I have, I have limited energy. Like I'm much more limited than I was when I was a kid. So I funnel all of that energy into the things that I really want to do. Yeah. Um, and spending time with people is really important to me. Like that's definitely something I funnel energy into. And like, you know, sex is really important to me. Like having that intense, close emotional connection is vital to my well being. And I like, totally know what you mean. Yeah. Like sex is not about, um, like, physical pleasure to me it's about emotional pleasure to me i'm just dating at you a lot with my hand right now yeah no that's yeah i i have a really i have found that um with certain people i've like i i cannot explain that exactly yeah and and it's become like a like i've i've had like a couple relationships where people are like not like it's like it's not even a matter of, of drive or like libido it becomes a matter of like it doesn't even have to be sex it can just be like making out or like yeah. or whatever it is um and it becomes like a serious sticking point and it's like no like this isn't about the act the act itself this is about everything behind it right you know what i mean yeah yeah absolutely like being able to be open with someone in that vulnerable state is so powerful yeah and i've I'm not like the type of person for one night stands. When I was playing drums in Horace Pickett, we played a show where there was this girl visiting Seattle. She'd just gotten dumped by someone and they were supposed to come together and the guy didn't come. So she came on her own. Um, and she, this is the only time this has ever happened to me where she just like picked me of the people on stage as the person to have sex with, you know? Whoa. <laughs> um, and I, I didn't even know how to act like, she like invited me back to her hotel room and I was like, Oh my God, this is really happening. Like, this is like what, what, what men dream about, you know, yeah. but, but that's not who I am. And I didn't know how to be or how to act. Yeah. And then I got a migraine, uh, cause I'd been up for too long and I'd had some drinks. Um, and then I, when I get migraines, sometimes I go into muscle spasms and I had this like incredibly vulnerable moment in front of her and I can't fuck when I'm in that situation, you know, yeah. like, uh, and it, and she was like amazing. I mean, she was just like wonderful about it. It was crazy. It was such a bizarre experience. And then we spent like three days together, uh, like while she was here. And that's that's me having a one night stand. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like a very like 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 we we get into like an emotional situation together and finding someone who can keep up with an emotional situation is really hard. Cause I get into them constantly. You yeah. Know? Like uh, 
like lying in bed with someone who starts to have muscle spasms is really intense. And it, it's really hard for me to date people because of that. And I've, and it's more on me than on the people, I think, because like I get uncomfortable and then I need space and I don't know how to articulate it because my brain is hurting and I can't really talk through it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, like that, that one experience was so bizarre and it, I com- it complete it's the only like quote unquote one night stand I've had, even though it lasted for several nights. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's not something that I would ever do again, even though like she, even though she was just like wonderful, you know? Um, it's not something I would do again because I don't want to put myself in that situation. I, I need a level of trust quite a bit beyond what I think the average man needs in order to have sex with someone because I might go into muscle spasms. Yeah. So, uh, I just need to feel like that's going to be okay if it happens. Cause it probably won't if I feel like it's okay. If I'm worried about it being okay, it's probably going to happen. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's weird. And I, there's like, I've since then I have had a one night stand, but it wasn't intentional. Like wasn't, I didn't mean for it to be a one night stand. It's it was just like, like shit happened and then never happened again. The person I slept with just like only like has no interest in at the time had no interest in relationships, just like wanted to have sex. And it kind of told me that, but I was just like, well, once you see my beautiful penis, you're going to, you're going <laughs> to want to keep you it. See all this. Like, last night I was saying, you know, my friend Sarah, and I was like, once you go plaque, you don't go back. <laughs> That's my real last name. And uh, I didn't know that actually. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. All my old music is under Jesse plaque. All right. I'll, I'll Google you later then. Yeah. <laughs> While I'm um, banging out whatever poem I, it is I have to write. She's like, how long have you been holding on to that? And I was like, I just thought of it. Um, <laughs> There's no way. You're 31. I'm sure, I'm sure I've thought of it before, but it's not like something I like think about or like was holding on to. It just like came out because we were, I mean, we were a bottle of wine deep at that point. Yeah. <laughs> this podcast makes me sound like such a drunk. <laughs> you've, you've referenced being, yeah, several bottles of wine in with, like yeah. at this point. It's been my week for white wine this week. There you go. I mean, it's been fucking beautiful and yeah, wonderful Seattle. But yeah, after the last podcast with Doug and uh, Ryan, where we drank a bottle and a half of whiskey, um, <laughs> there's nothing that bothers me more than like having to cut stuff out because I sound so drunk that I'm embarrassed by it. And I had to cut a little bit out of that last one towards <laughs> the end, um, which was you know, because which is a bummer because like I'm the host of the show. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And if like someone else is bringing good content to the show, but I'm cutting it out because like I sound like an asshole, then like, <laughs> yeah, that's not good. Yeah, I uh, no, I, I like coming over here and yeah. having these awesome pod talks. I don't know what to pod talk about. hashtag yeah. pod talk. hashtag pod talk. Uh, we'll start but, thinking now about what you want to do next time. We'll do it in a, in a couple months. I will. I'm yeah. stoked. I can't wait. Thanks again. Well, Pete GK, where can we find you on Twitter and shit? Uh oh, God, I actually forgot my Twitter password. <laughs> So for a while I was doing an ironic uh, hashtag monthly tweet. Uh, I, saw that. I think it was at Pete G E E K A Y, or maybe that sounds right at Pete G K. It it might be that that might be my Twitter handle. I can't remember for sure though. I know Instagram. If you're on Instagram, um, you can find me at at P E T E underscore G K. Um, I'm currently it's uh, April is National Poetry Month. So I'm doing a poem a day. Cool. It is a fucking chore, but I love doing it. On um, Instagram? On Instagram. Awesome. So, Where else can we find your work? Uh, That's it for now. I'm going to launch a blog in the near future, Uh, hopefully in May. I'm going to do a blog and a like another self-published chapbook 
like I did last year after National Poetry Month. So awesome. Yeah. Gonna get back on the horse. <laughs> nice. Yeah. It's it's so hard to end because like I feel like we could just talk until we pass out. I know. But let's let's end. This is definitely the good uh, ending point. Yeah. Because like I the one thing that gets overwhelming is when I have like three and a half hours of a conversation <laughs> that I have to edit down. Yeah. You're going to have to listen to all this later. So we're just creating sure more work for you. I'm sure it'll be a joy. Um, <laughs> all right, high five. High five. We made it. We made it through another long conversation. Thank you all so much for listening. It just means so much to me. I don't know why I'm doing this sometimes, but I love it. I, well, I do know why I'm doing it. It's because I love it. It brings me so much joy to have something on a weekly basis that I can create and release and just have coming out all the time. Speaking of creating and releasing things, uh, I've been working on something that I haven't mentioned yet to all you listeners out there. I have been working on writing a web series, a sort of sci-fi comedy web series to add into the sci-fi project. And I just had the first reading with a couple of my friends and actors a couple days ago. And it went super well. I'm really, really fucking excited about this. I'm totally going to tell you about it as we go along. Um, today, all I wanted to say is that I'm working on it. And that's a, a cool thing that's looks like it's going to be happening sometime very soon. So that's something to look forward to. New web series in the sci-fi project. And that's all. That's all I got. That's all we got this week. So thank you so much for listening. It means a lot. I hope you enjoyed this episode kind of light on the sci-fi this week but real heavy on my genitals uh so if you've listened to all of this good on you you're brave thank you see you next time